welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. As one begins to gain a conscious freedom from the body, he understands how temporal these outer things are and how unimportant, but when one enters into the universal consciousness, or the great cosmic activity, one finds to enter into the light is of all importance. Then he will know the joy of the inner presence and its invincible activity, for which his heart will leap with joy. Shortly before I became aware of my full mission, the statement stood out vividly before me, I am the presence that never fails or makes a mistake. This I knew later was the sustaining power which enabled me to be the resurrection and the life. It is unfortunate indeed that some of the scriptural statements have been clouded by human concept, yet I am thankful indeed that many have remained unaltered. Another statement I used constantly for more than three years was, I am always the majestic power of pure love that transcends every human concept and that opens the door to me to the light within its heart. I knew later this greatly intensified my true inner vision. In response to the earnest desire within the hearts of many, I wish to say that during the years in which the scriptures seem to have been unaware of my activity, I was going from place to place in search of the explanation of the light and presence which I felt within myself, and I assure you, beloved students, not with the ease and speed with which you are able to seek today. Those of that day in my association were joyous to receive the knowledge of those unchronicled experiences, but owing to the unusual nature of them, it was thought unwise to place them before the multitude. So it has been through the ages, when the period of transcendent experiences has begun to fade into the yesterdays, and those who followed were not sufficiently advanced to realize this truth, they have shut out from humanity glories, beautiful and wonderful. However, at this time there has come to the assistance of humanity the cosmic Christ power which became so real to me. This, through its natural impulse for expression, is steadily and surely finding its way into the hearts and minds of a large percent of mankind to the extent that great hope is present that this activity will enable the veil of human creation to be lifted, so great numbers of humanity will see signs and wonders, and feel them within their own hearts. Then they cannot be turned aside from the truth by human doubts and fears. I spent some time in Arabia, Persia, and Tibet, and closed my pilgrimage in India, where I met the beloved master who had then made the ascension, although I did not know it at the time. Through the power of his radiation, revelation after revelation came to me through which I was given expressions or statements that enabled me to hold steady the outer activity of my mind, until it no longer had power to disturb or retard me. 
It was then the full glory of my mission was revealed and the eternal cosmic record it was to make, which was to be established at that time for the blessing and enlightenment of the humanity that was to follow. Jesus the Christ, the I Am Discourses. Isis Unveiled, Chapter 12 As an illustration of how little even the generation which directly preceded our own was competent to judge the religions and beliefs of the several hundred million Buddhists, Brahmins and Parsis, let the student consult the advertisement of the scientific work published in 1828 by a Professor Dunbar, the first scholar who has undertaken to demonstrate that the Sanskrit is derived from the Greek. It appeared under the following title, An Inquiry into the Structure and Affinity of the Greek and Latin Languages, with Occasional Comparisons of the Sanskrit and Gothic, with an Appendix, in which the derivation of the Sanskrit from the Greek is endeavored to be established. By George Dunbar, FRSE and Professor of Greek in the University of Edinburgh. Price, 18s. Had Max Muller happened to fall from the sky at that time, among the scholars of the day, and with his present knowledge, we would like to have compiled the epithets which would have been bestowed by the learned academicians upon the daring innovator. One who, classifying languages genealogically, says that Sanskrit, as compared to Greek and Latin, is an elder sister, the earliest deposit of Aryan speech. And so, we may naturally expect that in 1976, the same criticisms will be justly applied to many a scientific discovery, now deemed conclusive and final by our scholars. That which is now termed the superstitious verbiage and gibberish of mere heathens and savages, composed many thousands of years ago, may be found to contain the master key to all religious systems. The cautious sentence of St. Augustine, a favorite name in Max Muller's lectures, which says that there is no false religion which does not contain some elements of truth, may yet be triumphantly proved correct, the more so as, far from being original with the Bishop of Hippo, it was borrowed by him from the works of Ammonius Saccas, the great Alexandrian teacher. This God-taught philosopher, the Theodidactos, had repeated these same words to exhaustion, in his numerous works some 140 years before Augustine. Acknowledging Jesus as an excellent man, and the friend of God, he always maintained that his design was not to abolish the intercourse with gods and demons, spirits, but simply to purify the ancient religions, that the religion of the multitude went hand in hand with philosophy, and with her had shared the fate of being by degrees corrupted and obscured with mere human conceits, superstition, and lies, that it ought therefore to be brought back to its original purity by purging it of this dross and expounding it upon philosophical principles, and that the whole which Christ had in view was to reinstate and restore to its primitive integrity the wisdom of the ancients. H. P. Blavatsky It was Ammonius who first taught that every religion was based on one and the same truth, which is the wisdom found in the books of Thoth, Hermes Trismegistus, from which books Pythagoras and Plato had learned all their philosophy. And the doctrines of the former he affirmed to have been identical with the earliest teachings of the Brahmins, now embodied in the oldest Vedas. The name Thoth, says Professor Wilder, means a college or assembly, and it is not improbable that the books were so named as being the collected oracles and doctrines of the sacerdotal fraternity of Memphis. Rabbi Wise had suggested a similar hypothesis in relation to the divine utterances recorded in the Hebrew scripture. But the Indian writers assert, that during the reign of King Kansa, Yadis, Judeans? 
or sacred tribe left India and migrated to the West, carrying the four Vedas with them. There was certainly a great resemblance between the philosophical doctrines and religious customs of the Egyptians and Eastern Buddhists, but whether the Hermetic books and the four Vedas were identical, is not now known. But one thing is certainly known, and that is, that before the word philosopher was first pronounced by Pythagoras at the court of the king of the Phalasians, the secret doctrine or wisdom was identical in every country. Therefore it is the oldest text, those least polluted by subsequent forgeries, that we have to look for the truth. And now that philology has possessed itself of Sanskrit texts which may be boldly affirmed to be documents by far antedating the Mosaic Bible, it is the duty of the scholars to present the world with truth, and nothing but truth. Without regard to either skeptical or theological prejudice, they are bound to impartially examine both documents, the oldest Vedas and the Old Testament, and then decide which of the two is the original Sruti or Revelation, and which but the Smriti, which, as Max Muller shows, only means recollection or tradition. H. P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 13 Question, may I ask how near the light was to being self-luminous about Charles, Pearl, and myself when the power began to surge? Was that coming to the point of luminosity? Saint Germain, yes. Don't be surprised at any time if the self-luminosity comes into the room or comes about your bodies. Don't be startled or surprised in any way, because it might suddenly release, just like it did with this good brother and David Lloyd. He did not dream of such a thing and did not know it could be done, but it was. I tell you, this is the point, the love of the students is getting so great, and the call is so great, just like David Lloyd calling to the messenger for the service to be rendered to him. He had gained that momentum, and when it released, it released for him from a human element that kept the power of the presence from releasing itself. That is why I have impelled the messenger to say in these recent classes, do not limit the presence as to what it can do for you, because it is so important at this time because there are thousands of the students that are ready, at some enthusiastic and joyful moment when this great power of the presence might easily be released. Do not each one of you feel this tremendous, great, calm joy that is throbbing through the room? It is marvelous. Now I must take you back for just a moment to our point of discussion. When you consider the children that come into life under the conditions of life that most of them do, at least 75% are so-called accidents, then you see why life is so beneficent in providing the protection, in providing the currents of life and energy and sustaining power that make really beautiful creatures out of individuals drawn into conditions where really they were not wanted, and yet the mass of mankind are in that position, through one cause or another. One time it is lack of finances, another it is not desiring to be bothered with children, another time it is something else, oh various things. But these are conditions now that you all must understand and not be affected by the knowledge of them, but understand from the standpoint of life and its manifestation, the magnificent, beneficent presence and power of life, that it does for the human form such marvelous, marvelous things. Beloved Saint Germain Now, I call your attention to this point, I have seen children born into a family of almost depravity, and in this child the light is strong enough that it rises out of the surrounding conditions and influences there, into a beneficent, marvelous being. You have seen that done repeatedly. Now look, all your great financiers today, 
almost without exception, are people who were practically orphans. They were turned out in the world, so to speak, to become newsboys or individuals who almost from babyhood stood on their own feet and, by that great determination through the privation that was their experience in childhood, they built up that determination which compelled life to surround them with wealth. Any determination that is held firm and unyielding will produce exactly the same effect, because it is the power of life acting. Now then, in the understanding of the presence as you have it today, there is not one of you that could not start right in and fix your determination upon a goal and not reach it within a comparatively short time, because the light would be compelled to act. It is not a matter of choice of life acting, but your determination and firm, unyielding desire draws it forth and causes it to act upon that objective. It is a magnificent thing. There is no thing in the world that any of you could not have that is perfect, good, and true, by directing the power of life to produce that. Question, what will life do with what you might call the derelicts? Will the cosmic cycle and the cataclysm cut the forces away from the stream of the individual, and bring them back and let them go forward, or are they too depraved? Saint Germain, no. You see, the goddess of liberty gave to mankind one of the greatest things ever given to the earth when in the third episode of Washington's vision she has given forth, if necessary, the light of a thousand suns shall descend into the earth and dissolve and consume all discord from the planet. That is the only hope of mankind. Any human being on the face of the earth who looks at that chart and cannot see his divine origin is certainly in a bad shape, certainly is clothed with human creation that they cannot see through. Life should seek for greater happiness, beauty, and perfection, rather than intentionally trying to lower itself. Wherever life is manifesting through a human form, that is God life. Beloved Saint Germain, 